Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. We have so much to talk about here. There was a Warriors game Thursday night, so we weren't able to record then. Although we did give you a double episode on Wednesday. Don't forget too, Hollinger and Duncan is out right now as you listen to this. That usually is going to come out a little earlier on Sundays, but they're for your Monday morning commute as well. John, I had a great conversation. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, do the search Hollinger and Duncan in your podcast player and that'll get you there. Subscribe, download it, get us off to a good start there. That's always, if we want to actually get some sponsors, the start is huge. Get us up there in the iTunes store reviews, obviously. Uh, Positive tweets as well, especially responding to our tweets about the shows are always good. That boosts you in Twitter's algorithm. So anything that you could do to help uh, if you like that show would be much appreciated. So we can make that into as successful an endeavor as Dunktown has been. But of course, Dunktown is not going anywhere. And so this time we're really going to do it. We're really going to do an actual 15 and 60. This is actually how the concept started way back in 2015. We're like, oh, there's so many of these teams to talk about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Four minutes on the clock for each team. We're going to do 15 in totally random order today, 15 in totally random order tomorrow. And Mr. LaRue, let's get started right now. To me, the center of the NBA universe right now, since the last time we recorded, is in Phoenix. And that is because of a confluence of factors, one being DeAndre Ayton's suspension currently for 25 games due to a di- testing positive for a diuretic. The uh, From Woj's reporting, the NBA is going to, uh, the MBPA is going to challenge that. We don't have any details in that, so we have to treat it that he's out. But after let, that, let me, let me react to that first sure. before we get into there. Of course, the reporting was, well, follow-up tests didn't reveal any other banned substance. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason diuretics are banned is because they prevent you from detecting the other banned substance. <laughs> so who knows why it is that he took this. Maybe he was just trying to mask some marijuana and went too hard on the diuretics. Maybe he was taking performance-enhancing drugs. Maybe it was just some mistake. I'm always highly skeptical of such claims and even the the sun statement was kind of accidental it, ingestion or unintentional yeah. ingestion sorry yeah yeah exactly uh the the sun statement was uh, a little bit finger pointy I, I thought it was not certainly an unequivocal support for Aiden and but obviously a huge blow when he had looked so good in their opening night win against a, a Sacramento team that's really scuffling uh, yeah and then and then they, they yeah. lose they lose in overtime really close surprising game to to the Denver Nuggets and right after Aiton got suspended and then bounced back with a huge win over the seemingly unstoppable LA Clippers. They won 130-122. Javon Carter started due to a Rubio knee injury, and Aaron Baines started due to Aiden being suspended. I thought Booker played really well in the early going. They The Clippers had Shamit on him, and he dominated with, uh, with dribble penetration. Then later on, Booker went back and did more off-ball work, had some nice kind of duck-ins and cuts, and I, I thought he did a really nice job. Final line there was 30 points, 8 assists, 
four turnovers and 10 to 20 from the field, so a real, and 7 to 8 from the line, so a relatively efficient night. They ran a narrow rotation, and Kaminsky was a huge beneficiary there too. Eight, eight, 18, 8, and 6 in about 30 minutes off the bench. And right now, the Suns are 2-1. and one. Their only loss was that OT game against Denver. And remarkably, they only play two more road games between now and November 19th, but they're facing tough teams at home. Most of them are playoff teams, including the Jazz on Monday. So it'll be big to watch. Yeah, for Phoenix, we, we talked about Aiton already. I've not had a chance to watch any of their other games, but looking forward to seeing them in person uh, on Wednesday night against the Warriors. Now, Phoenix is benefiting from pretty good opponent three-point shooting uh, in the low 30s there. But where they're giving up their shots uh, are pretty encouraging. They're like number seventh in the league in forcing mid-rangers, number seven in avoiding giving up threes. So that's per our friend Ben Falk at Cleaning the Glass. So some indications this is sustainable. Obviously, you know, Javon Carter being passable offensively. I don't expect it to be sustainable, but I thought this would be a bottom five defense and we have not seen that to date. And they've played some teams that in theory were going to be at least decent offensive teams, Clippers, Denver, and and, yeah. And also note that they haven't gone super big. You know, they're playing Baines. He played 23 minutes against the Clippers and then their backup center was Frank Kaminsky. They didn't go to check Diallo. They didn't really go in any other direction. So they've been successful despite that. And so I'm excited about that. We'll see where it goes. All right, four minutes on the clock here for the Miami Heat. Ah, now two and one after a they just ran out of gas on the second end of a back to back against the three and zero Minnesota Timberwolves. But Kendrick Nunn has been a revelation. He's maybe been the best rookie so far through three games, averaging over twenty points a game, over thirty minutes a game. Eric Spolstra said even when Jimmy Butler returns, he's missed the first three games due to the birth of a child. That Nunn would remain in the starting lineup rather than Tyler Hero, who's looked okay as well. Uh, they had a stirring come from behind win against Milwaukee on Saturday night. Would you take away from that game? Something you and I have talked about before is the the unsustainability sometimes of three point shooting. The Bucks in that game were fourteen of thirty from three in the first half that helped them go out to that big lead, and then three of twenty in the second half. But it was a really I, I did like the performances overall from Miami. I mean, Bam at a bio had eight assists in the Milwaukee game and it was a reminder at moments and there was a little bit of that today against Minnesota of the fact that Bam and Hassan Whiteside are just very different offensive players and you know there there are times when Hassan's particular brand of offense is is useful but I, I just really like the way that the offense looks with Bam in there and remember they're starting none and hero as they're starting guards and they're still able to generate I think yeah. it's a better I, looking I, I mean that should be just based on their pedigrees like you know a very lottery-esque starting backcourt I mean like that starting lineup that they have they got Duncan Robinson coming off the bench playing big minutes he's been shooting it but he's you know doesn't have any pedigree they got a lot of guys with no pedigree and interestingly you know with Deion Waiters suspended James Johnson wasn't in shape he has has been playing at all they've been starting Myers Leonard instead of Kelly Olenek I don't know if they did that today but the first two games they, they did, did. Yeah. yeah he started he only played 14 minutes today but yeah. I mean they gave Duncan Robinson a lot of time and then uh Silva's actually been playing which is interesting Chris, Del- Chris Silva is another one of their finds he went to South Carolina and so and and he actually he did some pretty good things I didn't watch the Minnesota game super closely because I got captivated by the Portland Dallas game but it was but I thought he looked he looked totally capable out there yeah that, he 
played more in, the, in that Memphis game at, yeah, sure. in the beginning. Uh, they're using Derek Jones Jr. a lot on the second unit as a role man and playing him with Olenek, and that has looked really good. Derek Jones Jr. is uh, a ridiculous finisher, and so uh, Olenek has been shooting it well from three, especially in that game against the Bucks. He really caused problems for Giannis Antetokounmpo, who wants to help out more than he wants to get way out on the floor on shooters. So Olenek really got a lot of wide open threes, and that is the player type really that gives the Bucks scheme the most trouble. That because they give up a lot of above the break threes to bigs when they're hanging back in the paint and they're over helping so much that if you have a guy who's hitting that those shots like Olenek was in that game that really helped to fuel the comeback after they trailed 70 to 53 at halftime you're just like all right well the Bucks are just gonna blow them out here uh and then things really changed that Miami defense uh, looked really good Bam did a good job guarding Giannis and just uh as usual they play extremely extremely hard uh and so i want to see what this team looks like now with jimmy butler coming back gordon Dragic is not starting but he has still looked pretty good i mean he, he even drew a couple of key offensive fouls in the overtime period after miami blew a lead basically by missing free throws and went into overtime on a Giannis tippin and but just by sticking his nose in there and trying, I mean, he's got that same huge knee brace on his right knee. I mean, that must have been a pretty severe knee injury that he suffered, and he's not starting. He's just really a bench guy at this point. He doesn't have that explosive quickness anymore, but he still just knows how to play, knows how to operate in the pick and roll, and can shoot it pretty well. Uh, let's shift to Miami, or I'm sorry, Milwaukee now, since uh, you know we started talking about them with that game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, I alluded to this before, but in the, in the Bucks loss to Miami they just couldn't make threes in the second half that's probably the easiest way to blow a 21 point lead and something else that was concerning to me and Milwaukee they have moments of this would be an interesting question to ask their to ask their bloggers is that for me when the Bucks offense slows down the ball is moving a lot less and so in the second half of the Miami game they had five assists on 17 made baskets, and by comparison, that was 17 or 23. It's also true that when you miss that many threes, a lot of threes are assisted. So it, it can also be that, that you know the, the ratio went down. Well, I, I, I got another crazy stat for you. Sure. Through two games, Giannis has fouled out of both games, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but they beat Houston anyway, uh, even with that occurring. Giannis is assisting on an estimated 61% of teammates' field goals. That's While incredible. he's on the floor, per basketball reference, now that's an estimate. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. He's also turning it over like crazy, and he's just fouling too much. Like, I mean, that's that's the other major problem. They don't really have other good passers on the team. Maybe Chris Middleton is, is their best passer, but he's been struggling after a brutal World Cup um you know that five-year close to max contract that he signed in the offseason uh he started off hot had 11 quick points against miami and then justice winslow just made him miserable the entire rest of the night and once Giannis fouled out they went to him a couple times he couldn't do anything um Giannis hit some shots against houston overall though uh, every sh- and i didn't watch that houston game was closely every jumper that he was taking in the miami game was short he looks to have reworked his form again a little bit more it's i think it's trying to make it a little bit more compact but it's kind of all out in front of his body a little bit more as well it doesn't look amazing but i felt you know he was being guarded by bam and so these guys can back off of him and wait for him at the rim still and i thought really even more than the three it's just can you make it so that shot at the free throw line is an automatic shot for you uh you know that that's where i think it matters the most and then we haven't quite seen the signs uh, of that yet so uh anything else you want to say on these guys here no i mean we'll keep an eye on them of course milwaukee's a team a team that we will watch closely over the course of the year and but i do i do have one more thing on them actually oh okay Um, sure you know 
uh, Robin Lopez shooting threes hasn't looked amazing. Uh, that, uh, that's one. But with Wes Matthews and Cal Corver, you can make the argument that they might actually be a better three-point shooting team in the regular season, and that they might even be a better offense in the regular season, especially considering that Broad didn't miss some time last year, where they just have more guys that you're just straight up not going to leave. Uh, and you know, Wes Matthews is pretty much just a spot-up shooter at this point, but he's a better spot-up shooter than Malcolm Brogdon, I think, just in terms of his volume. And, you know, Brogdon shot a higher percentage, but he wasn't going to move off the ball and have the versatility to his jumper that either Corver or Wes Matthews do. So I think there's an argument that they're a little bit better offensively in the regular season i think the driving element will really be missed from brogdon in the postseason as we talked about uh, and then also uh, just worth noting dj wilson has not played uh, a single minute so far this year yeah that and and we'll see i mean i i think that he can give them a different element but i mean it's a, it's yeah. a long season and i know i know people freak out if there's been the lonnie walker freak out by spurs fans already and it, you know it's a marathon not a sprint with a lot of these guys so uh, all right, we'll uh, get on to our next team here in a moment. But first, this from Helix Sleep, the mattress that I'm going to go to sleep on right after I'm done recording this podcast. It's the best mattress that I've ever owned. I now, in fact, own three of them. And the reason it's the best mattress is because I took two minutes to complete their sleep quiz and it matched my body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for me, whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, plush or a firm bed, no confusion, no compromising with Helix Sleep. They were awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 with GQ and Wired Magazine, both awarding them that honor. So if you go to helixsleep.com slash capspace, you can take that two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to the customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they can even split it down the middle for you and your partner, providing individual support needs for each side. It's also risk-free, 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you're going to because it's made just for you. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash capspace. That's $125 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL. Let them know that you came from us. All right, what's next? Let's go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the Timberwolves are 3-0 and after their 116-109 win over Miami. And, well, one of the stories is Andrew Wiggins just having some weird clutch performances over the last couple of games, including nine points in a row that basically swung what looked like it might turn into a loss into a win. The story in Minnesota is Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, Towns, here are his through three games number averages. 36.5 points, 14.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 2.5 blocks, 3.5 steals on 60% shooting, and 5.5 of 9 from 3. Yeah, that's insane. And the three-point shooting is going to come down, but he's been pretty much a 40% three-point shooter these last few years. I mean, for him to be getting up nine threes a game, that just opens it up so much for their offense. And the shots that he's getting up, I mean, he'll, he'll just kind of catch it at the three-point line. They even run a few of the sets, I think, that his old boss uh, uh, or... Yeah, I guess he was a, his old boss a, at one point, but uh, now the late Flip Saunders' son, Ryan Saunders, they run some of the same sets for Towns that they used to run for Kevin Love, where he'll step back behind the three-point line after making the catch, get a screen, and that just opens up so much. You try and switch, you can get him into the post. You mentioned the assists uh, as well. Now, they haven't played incredible defenses. Miami is pretty good, and, and they shut Towns down after a 15-point first quarter. But Charlotte 
without Cody Zeller and Brooklyn Towns just completely destroyed both of those teams and so we are finally seeing the actualized Carl Anthony Towns and I joked that he said he was only being used at 40% of his capacity but at least so far this could only be three games you always want to be wary of oh this guy's made the leap after the summer and you know three three great games but I mean, he's really powering this Wolves team that has very little else. And Andrew Wiggins has had high-profile moments helping them win two games at the end. But those games were also probably close because he really struggled so badly. He's shooting only 24% from downtown. And the free-throw attempts just, again, are not there. That was supposed to be a big part of his game. Less than four free-throw attempts per game uh, in their three wins. Jeff Teague, though, to me, looks better not hitting the three ball but he just looks like the relatively quick guy that we've seen so far looks to be recovered from uh those lower body injuries that plagued him a year ago well and something else to mention with wiggins is yeah he's had those those nice moments but also one of the big criticisms that you and i have had of, of him over the years is that he just hasn't been as impactful in other areas and so total for three through three games one steal one block two assists all of which occurred in the charlotte game so he has he's had two games with triple zeros in those three categories and i would say his defense has been a little bit better but he hasn't taken as much of a step forward as like carl Anthony towns has yeah another interesting note on minnesota other than towns they've been cold from three shooting 31 percent overall we mentioned that towns was shooting over 50 percent himself so basically rest of team under 30 percent from three and then defensively they've been extremely unlucky giving up 44 percent shooting from three to opponents and yet they're still three and up that's pretty good to overcome that kind of a disparity and get off to the nice start so you know have they looked so good that i'm like oh yeah these guys are going to make the playoffs they're going to be one of the ones to pop in i mean it certainly is good for them that golden state and sacramento and new orleans are off to bad starts so that's helpful and they've banked three wins but i'm not quite ready to write them in as playoff contenders just yet here let's do atlanta trey young I, I think we might as well might as well start there. First two games, the Hawks are current. They've only played two so far. They'll play again on Monday. Thirty eight point five points, nine assists, seven rebounds, seventy two point six percent true shooting on thirty nine percent usage, eleven to twenty from three. So that's kind of Towns esque if you want to think about it that way. That's how many shots Carl Anthony Towns is taking. Um, he. He was huge at the end of their their win over Orlando that I, I honestly thought they were going to lose that game, came back, had their last eight points, and he's he's just taking it, you know, I, I'm not sure the usage is going to keep up or the efficiency is going to keep up, but he, to me, he looks more confident as a scorer, including in crunch time, and he's always been a really good passer, so maybe it doesn't continue to this extent, but this is this is in line with a natural progression from Treya. Yeah, I agree with you. He just, he looks stronger. He looks quicker. He looks more in control of his dribble. And he came into the league as a ready-born pick-and-roll operator, but he's really extended that now. You you guys know that one of my favorite plays in the league is that double high screen that they like to run in transition. And Seth Partner and I were tweeting back and forth about this the other day that he really likes to reject the screen a lot and guys get beat on that all the time and the points per possession on that uh Mike Zavagno did a film review to say yeah he's a, I think they scored 12 points on seven possessions when he rejected the screen on the left side of the floor going with a right to left crossover that's usually when he's got the two screens set up to go to his right and that's because guys are cheating over that because they know that that play is so deadly with one guy rolling and one guy popping with Trey coming off of that where he's gonna bang the threes been shooting it so well so they want to cheat to get over that screen but trey young it's they call it a constraint play in football 
where if you start cheating towards one element of like the run pass option then you know the corner starts cheating in and then they just throw the quick hitch to the guy because he's not covered you know those sorts of plays where trey young will catch you napping and he's going to force you to play it honestly and now he's going to get open coming off that screen and he's going to just absolutely carve you up and it's he's really especially when he's shooting it like this there really aren't many answers for him i mean maybe it'll just get to the point where switching him is just about all you can do other than just killing them on the defensive end Um, but they've actually held up unfortunately for them that's largely because in their two games opponents are shooting 22 percent from three and orlando should have beaten them i think there were five out of 31 from downtown in that game on saturday night and just could not hit a shot so I don't know that it's going to continue for Atlanta, obviously, but 2-0 is 2-0. It helps you at least to get off to a decent start. And if Trey's going to play this well, they're getting himself out of Jabari Parker as a role man. That's looked pretty good so far. So looking forward to locking in on them a, a little bit more. We'll probably do a, uh, oh, no, I, I know when we're going to talk about them again. Next, we're doing the NBA cast for them and Miami. Two surprise teams on uh, Thursday. So tune in for that at an earlier time, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific for that one. Yeah, that'll that'll be fun. Uh, unless you have anything more on them, I think we can transition to the team that they beat in the game on Saturday, the Orlando Magic. I my my read on the Magic is that it's it's largely that they are who I thought they were, and I, and for me, I think that's a, a a positive thing. They beat the Cavs, and then they they lost to Atlanta in a game. I I agree with you that I think they should have won. And one of the points worth watching here is Markel Fultz. Fultz came off the bench. He has twelve points in both of their games. I thought he looked better in the in the Cleveland game than against Atlanta, but we talked about why that yeah. was the case. The he, he did close the game over DJ Augustine he against did. Atlanta, though. He did, and, and I think some of that might have just been because he's a little bit bigger and maybe he could Yeah, impact. they just needed that defense on Trey Young. Exactly. DJ Augustine would not be stopping him, but it didn't help much because he scored those last eight points anyway. Right, and and so I think at, I think Orlando's going to be fine. I When I did that breakout players pod with Ben Taylor, he picked John Isaac as, a, as a, like a higher-end player for that. My concern with that has just been his scalability on offense, and I still have those same concerns. I think he's a wonderful defensive player, can be a force on that end, and I love his positional versatility that he can defend kind of like a forward, and I think he can play more small ball center than Steve Clifford has asked because they have so many damn centers. But his offense is still concerning me. You know, I, I still don't trust his jump shot. And then he's just more of a low usage guy. And then there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the idea of that type of a player becoming a star. It can happen. I mean, Ben Wallace was an immensely important player. And there have been lots of different versions. But I think the, the steps that Isaac would need to take to become a valuable, like a really valuable offensive player, they just, they're if they're going to happen, I think they're a little further away. And it's basically his jump shot. Still love him, though. Yeah, a couple of interesting stats early on here. Nikola Vucevic not shooting the ball well. Aaron Gordon not shooting the ball well. Again, just through two games here. They did, I mean, they played Cleveland, uh, whose defense actually has been like, halfway passable we'll talk about them in a second uh, they won a game <laughs> that that's better than they did at the start of last year uh but yeah they've played the hawks and cleveland and their offense uh, has been one of the worst in the league they just uh, have not been able to hit a shot so that's uh, well and, and, and congratulations on that now they play toronto on monday <laughs> yeah toronto's defense uh has looked really really good so far we're also still seeing michael carter williams playing 15 minutes per game He's been getting some of these backup wing minutes uh, instead of Wes Wundu, Carter Williams, and Fultz together. I mean, Fultz feeding Michael Carter Williams for a spot up three at the end of the shot clock must have just been hilarious for Sixers fans to, to watch the other day. But uh, Orlando is, is one and one. I'm really interested to see how this shakes out. I think it could go either way for these guys, uh, where 
I think their defense could be really awesome. They get just enough offense and they're a 45 win team, or maybe just some of these holes in the rotation and they're just not good enough offensively uh, begin to bleed into their morale a little bit and it just uh, becomes kind of a 500 if kind of struggle so yeah big range there could could be a whole four win range that was a really stupid way to say that something something else to keep an eye on so far marco fultz has taken 23 shots from the field 13 of those 23 have been beyond 16 feet and he's made four of them but you know just the fact that he's taking them i think is is somewhat important and i'm going to be very interested in what his diet is because i mean in the cleveland game the best stuff he did was around the basket but remember cleveland doesn't have rim protectors so that was uh it'll be i'm wondering what his game is going to look like towards the end of the year but i stand by my idea that even in his current state he's a useful backup point guard yeah but uh, augustin and vucevic uh, are just gonna have to shoot the ball better uh, for them to really and i think they will go anywhere this year uh, All right. let's, let's go to Cleveland. Uh, you, you, you brought them up before. Uh, so something that I did early on in early on in it, I like to take kind of sometimes take a look at more in depth, look at a, at a young player and just get that firm sense. So I watched Darius Garland on synergy. He has 28 credited offensive possessions that can be turnover shots, assists, all that kind of stuff. And my general takeaways, I still like his jump shot. Uh, it's pretty quick release. It's smooth. It's repeatable. Those are the general things that I'm looking for. He's also importantly, he's looking comfortable a step or two beyond the arc already and we've seen that all over the league that's the real differentiator houston really brought that into vogue and there are a bunch of other teams that have done it but i think houston's the best at it and one of my favorite moves this was true even i think this was in the vanity tape was garland has this really nasty step back to his left he did a big one in the uh in the win over indian indiana and um and then he also did one in the magic game similar mechanics different parts of the floor so that was that was notable his turnovers typical young guy stuff you know throwing a pass a little bit too high a little bit too wide the window's narrow or the guy isn't ready for it that kind of stuff more so than just like oh that was that pass was never there or something like that so that's good his vision isn't amazing but you know so it was all right had a really nice the best pass that i saw him throw was actually a turnover he threw one to nance that went off nance's hands but it was a good read and that's more important for young guys than whether it becomes an assist and one of his one of garland's best plays was he was working around I think it was the first quarter of the Indiana game and he worked around Miles Turner to get a layup where Turner couldn't really block it and that was a nice little piece of craft he's had some good transition finishes as well biggest criticism on the offensive end I need to watch more of his defense is he settles too much for floaters and it's I I haven't seen Garland even going back to the Vandy tape as as a great touch on floaters so I think the tools are are there I've I was encouraged by the tape that I watched but it's it's so early I mean remember the guy has so little film because he only played five games of Vandy and two games in the NBA yeah and Chris Fedor when we did the pot with him was talking him up as a pure point guard distributor that's something that's gonna have to come in time but Kevin Love is definitely making it easier for these guards right now 72 percent free throw rate which is absolutely an insane number 50 percent from three he got up a lot more threes in that Indiana game and really caused problems for the Pacers too big alignment to close out to him Jetty Osmond uh, 5.6 PER in 57 minutes through two games. That's not an amazing way to celebrate that extension, which we have yet not yet talked about, have we? We have not. Uh, four years, $31 million. It is descending, which I, I love Cleveland showing that they, they don't necessarily need to value 2020 cap space. Smart. 
and and also the last year is non-guaranteed so i think that's a totally reasonable reasonable contract for for osman and at that sort of number 431 he doesn't like have to be a starter as long as he's a capable rotation player i think they're fine yeah we'll see whether he is or not <laughs> that's so, true not, not a good defensive player we'll see whether he's able to actually contribute this is uh, his age 24 season here but a, a deal that to me made sense for both sides he's a good teammate good cutter not is overstretched certainly to me as a starting three defensively but someone who can fit into a rotation play with others reasonably well and the money there below the mid-level exception one of those deals that you're a little surprised when it gets done but i think because there have been some other extensions like this you know lou williams for example uh, where you start to think that these are okay and then that opens the floodgates for them where where teams and players start being a little bit more creative as well especially to have that non-guarantee on the end is pretty useful so if he doesn't develop it's not really the end of the world that he's also not really starting any higher than his cap hold would have been next year or if it is it's a million bucks or two so it doesn't really matter that much a couple other small notes here on minutes Kevin Porter has been in the rotation at age 19. He's played 38 minutes so far. Larry Nance has been shooting threes. He's actually averaging seven three-point attempts per 36 minutes, but he's uh, only made 22% thus far. And John Henson is going to be out two weeks with a hamstring. There's hope that he could help them actually have some modicum of rim protection on this team, but they're going to have to wait a little bit while to see that. Well, and also they claimed Alfonso McKinney off waivers from the Warriors. I don't know if we got to that before. Fantastic. All right, who's next? Uh, let's go to Detroit. So Detroit played against Philadelphia, and they were missing not only Blake Griffin, we talked about that before, that he's out for at least the first two weeks, and hamstrings are tricky. We've talked about this before. And and so they also were missing Reggie Jackson. He was dealing with a back issue. Tim Frazier started in his place. And Dwayne Casey ended up using a, after basically not playing Christian Wood in, in the first game, which was frustrating because I think Christian Wood is better than Thon Maker, he played those guys together as the backup front court and Wood did pretty well. 11 points, five rebounds in 19 minutes, including making one of three threes. My belief is that once Detroit has enough depth to move guys into their normal slots, that Christian Wood should be in the rotation instead of Thon. And and then the other thing that uh, that came in in the time that I've watched the Pistons so far is I'm trying to kind of figure out where I am with Bruce Brown like Brown is I, I love his defense in, you're inside the three-point line I'll tell you that yeah I mean he so Brown he turns down so, so many, many shots spot up threes like it's unbelievable yeah I mean so yeah he's he's played 62 minutes and has only taken three three-pointers has missed all of them but again the number is more important than the success rate because if you've only taken three in that much time and you are a perimeter player that can be a really big problem and his defense is fun and, and but it's I, I, I'm concerned about that and he's only 36 percent overall from the field so it's not like he's turning those down and making up for it somewhere else they've been getting quality offense from Luke Kennard on the second unit and I understand yeah. why they might want to do that long term because Blake Griffin can be just an engine for the starting five but I think Casey should seriously consider even just if it's experimental for right now while Blake is still out trying to change that up and see if Kennard can give them a little juice especially because they have Derek Rose on the second unit and Derek Rose can generate offense too yeah Derek Rose uh 70 70- 
50% true shooting, Oof. 34 PER through three games. I mean, this is his age 31 season. And he shot it pretty well last year too. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not going to continue at this level, but maybe he's actually like become a quality shot maker from the mid-range uh, and uh, which would be amazing. He's not taking a ton of threes, but he's hitting 50% so far and uh, 37% usage for Derek Rose now of course he's gonna have to stay healthy as well part of the why he's going off the bench then Reggie Jackson's been struggling with this lower back injury missed a game and he's really struggling I mean they have this dichotomy of guys who have just been awful like Brown and Jackson and and Thon Maker offensively Markeith Morris has been a big disappointment as a starter you know there was some hope that maybe he was just had a down year last year because of that neck issue and that he could return to form that hasn't been the case so far this year i, I will mention that morris played better in the sixers game okay I, yeah i, I didn't I, see that yeah one, yeah, he, he did better he was more efficient from the field and and played 26 minutes so I, I i would say that i'm a little i will i will push pump on the brakes a little bit temporarily for that yeah but drummond has been really good shooting fantastically 63 percent from two that was one of the big concerns about him is that he's not uh, efficient enough uh, but he's been able to score around the basket getting fouled hitting his free throws 62 percent so and they've had some pretty good performances you'd think maybe if blake comes back uh, and rose and drummond and canard can keep playing this way they might actually have a pretty good offense with this group when's the last time you could say that about the pistons but some of those guys might regress and also you know who knows when blake is going to come back and what he's going to look like and certainly the bench is looking a little bit thin here and if you're going to be playing these lineups with snell at the four and canard at the three i mean you're just not going to stop anybody with those groups and they have struggled defensively to date yeah right now per cleaning the glass with the garbage time filter they are currently 24th in defense yeah we also have not seen sika dumboya yet he was in the concussion protocol last week but seems unlikely to be in the rotation okay your pick again here let's do the team that detroit lost to on saturday the philadelphia 76ers they played that game without joel Embiid, and bead was out with an ankle sprain and i was very interested in how brett brown was going to handle that because they you know had the silent tournament and everything else and the bench is still a weird weird kind of question and remember they're also going against the detroit pistons who are starting andre drummond what brown decided to do was play Matisse Thibel as the fifth starter and he's shown confidence in Thibel's defense and that pushes Horford to center and slide kind of slides everybody down a position or up I can't remember which way that's supposed to go and one of the beneficiaries there playing against his old team was Tobias Harris after I'd been a little bit frustrated and skeptical of Harris on their uh, first game against the Celtics he blossomed 29 points 10 of 15 from the field four of six from three didn't do a ton as a facilitator but when you have Ben Simmons that's totally fine and so I, I thought that he gave them a little bit more juice offensively. Helps that you're playing the, yeah. the, the Pistons, who are significantly worse defensively than the Boston Celtics are. Yeah, yeah, they had absolutely no one to match up with them. In, no, in no, game. and I thought that was important. And and also getting some minutes uh, from, from Kylo Quinn, because with Joel Embiid out, they needed that at the center. And then Shake Milton, he, he came off the bench. He played uh, 12 minutes, played a little bit in each quarter, 10 points, made a couple of threes, and... Again, this Sixers group, they don't need a lot from these, like, from the 8 through 12 guys on their bench. But if any one of them can establish themselves as a, even a 10-minute-a-game guy, it would be huge. And I'd love to see Shake Milton do it. Love to, I think Howell Neto is that guy already. He played a little bit in that game. But that's going to be worth keeping an eye on for the Sixers, just because, the especially when Embiid misses time, whether it's an ankle sprain, load management, whatever it is, they need, they, they just need other guys to step up. And they, they have players who I think can, but... But remember, that didn't happen much last year. Yeah, worth noting as well, Josh Richardson getting a lot of the backup point guard minutes uh, for this group rather than going with Howell Neto or Trey Burke. 
neither of whom has played hardly at all you mentioned milton was a uh, played ahead of those guys some it's been Furkan Korkmaz uh, who uh, is averaging 14 minutes a game and as they just try to get some more shooting which uh in limited minutes he has not been able to bring them yet I was turned to Chicago little disturbing that Otto Porter due to some hip issues I mean which he, remember he's had hip issues groin issues going back to his rookie year it really ruined his rookie year and it looked like he was going to be a bust that first year but he's been on a minutes limit uh 24 minutes uh, in the first uh, of a back-to-back in Memphis on Friday that was a, a real fun game Memphis uh Memphis is playing some fun games so is Brooklyn actually so far uh, and then they got so they got their first win of the year there as Zach Levine went off to a ridiculous three uh, Kobe White had 21 in the second half which uh, at that point in time gave him more points in that half than Jarrett Culver had uh, whom of course the Wolves passed on White to take had non-garbage time minutes and Culver again just as we should talk about this in the Wolves section but he really has been you know getting pretty much token minutes at this point for a very wing needy team you would have hoped that he could still time for him obviously but you would have hoped that he could have broken into the rotation there uh and then white went three of 14 in what was just a complete offensive meltdown against the raptors admittedly a very good defensive team at home as the bulls fell to one and two there but wendell carter led the team with 12 points in that game so it's really been a total mixed bag for all these guys we talked about marketing how good his first game was and then against memphis against jaron jackson jr he was really getting dominated physically uh, on the defensive end as jackson was posting him up uh, had a big first half uh, and then wasn't really able to find it his rhythm i think he's actually more comfortable oddly enough putting the ball on the floor against smaller players and using his size to uh, shoulder into floaters uh, and shoot over guys rather than uh, taking larger guys off the dribble with his quickness and spacing out to three and the other problem is just like marketing for all of his supposed versatility and he's a seven point foot european guy and his game is supposed to be built around the three-point shooting i mean he just the ball's got to go in for him from three i mean he started off those first two games i think he was like oh of six and oh five shooting the ball and especially when you're right at the start of the game missing all those shots that's not going to open things up for your teammates so he's got to be a a lot better just making shots and also i think his teammates uh, need to look to him a, a little bit more uh yeah any reaction to that well i think this is going to be a, a well i think it's a really good point on marking in and and whether he can actually hit those shots there are other guys that have had pretty jump shots and it just hasn't fallen enough um but this is gonna be a clarifying week for the bulls because they have at the knicks at the Cavs, host the pistons and at the pacers if they can go two and two or better then maybe they can do the idea that we talked about if they can be better than the bad teams and and maybe get into the mix but if it becomes you know they they lose to either the Knicks or the Cavs on the road and and some of that kind of stuff then maybe they're you know intriguing and and competitive in some games but just not good enough to make it into the playoff picture you don't want to convince any say anything definitively in the first 10 games but I I feel like I'm gonna have a better sense of them after especially Wednesday couple other notes on them porter aforementioned i don't know how much that hip is bothering him but he's been terrible so far offensively 26 percent from the field just has not really been that aggressive uh, as mentioned I, I thought he looks a, a little heavier i'm no i don't know that it's in a good way but you know he hasn't necessarily earned closing minutes uh, and they don't have any other threes on the roster and luke cornett has been really struggling as a fourth big he's getting blown by at every opportunity and extremely slow afoot and hasn't been able to make teams pay on the other end with his three-point shooting so uh, that's been a bit of a soft spot in the rotation maybe that they'll give daniel gafford a shot at some point if they feel like they need a fourth big if this continues uh, with Cornette. and chris dunn is an absolute terror defensively i mean he is really like 
three or four or five plays a game he just like blows up in a way that you don't expect and yeah i I think he's jim boylan likes to fall in love with him because he makes those kinds of plays and i do think guard defense can be underrated sometimes but obviously uh, offensively you still can't hit a shot from three and so it becomes difficult to fit around him but he he and white have actually been fine on the second unit because white uh, can shoot the ball and i do uh you know he had that struggle on saturday but i I do think white overall uh, has looked good he's certainly not bashful that's for sure i guess we gotta talk warriors now huh yeah we can do that i was actually gonna go to memphis but we can talk about somebody less fun than memphis (laughs) yeah i mean well they they just uh, hollinger and i talked about them a a little bit here and he brought up the idea that maybe they have to simplify the offense it's not going to continue to be this bad for them number one they're allowing 50 percent from three and they shot five out of 33 from downtown today against okc yeah they got completely blown out yeah they have the number 30th ranked defense at 124 defensive rating Uh, their own three-point shooting uh, has been pretty miserable as well they're at 28 percent which is second worst in the league to orlando's 23 percent chicago aforementioned by the way uh, at 28 percent they're going to shoot it better they're getting up a lot of threes just not making them but so one theory i want to run by you though uh master of feedback loops is golden state in particular had one of the bigger disparities in recent years of what their transition offense looked like and what their offense looked like after a a miss versus after a make they're actually mortal after makes and now that they're taking the ball out of the basket Steph even said hey i don't want to judge our offense because we're taking the ball out of the basket every time but they're gonna be doing a lot of that (laughs) and they're they don't have playmakers on defense they're not getting steals they're not getting defensive rebounds so perhaps this offense was more vulnerable than we might have believed also d'angelo russell has been terrible but more vulnerable than we might have believed because they're not getting stops now it becomes much more difficult for them i think it's a really good idea and compared to like your average team yeah that and they've been so transcendent in transition and remember that that's also going to tone down because they don't have clay thompson and kevin Durant anymore or at least for most of this year in in clay's case yeah well well, by the way speaking of not having people uh kerr saying it's unlikely that clay is going to play certainly if they get off to this kind of a start it's looking that way and then alec burke still hasn't suited up and more importantly kavon looney who played in the only 10 competent minutes of warriors basketball this year they actually weren't in the negative during his 10 minutes against the clippers he was supposed to be on a 20 minute limit he's been coming back from this hamstring issue but now he's gonna miss at least the next game and he's meeting with specialists uh, due to this uh neuropathy that he has that's causing pain in his hamstring and basically it seems like his hamstring like to not fire they took him out of the game they said uh which immediately raised my eyebrows especially with uh warriors pr and uh dr nick i mean sorry uh dr rick uh for the warriors medical staff that he was just being taken out for precautionary reasons oh then he's gonna miss uh an indefinite amount of time after that yeah precautionary, and, and, right. and people can read anthony slater's piece at the athletic for i, I learned some stuff about neuropathy from that and then also marcus thompson wrote an amazing piece on glenn robinson where that's a very a human interest piece more but it was excellent and i, yeah, I think that, that's about the only interest they're going to have on this team at it, this rate. It, it very well might be and i mean it is true uh, that, uh, oh by, by the well, maybe not because uh tim kawakami reported that they now have uh 700 million dollars a year in annual revenue which is like number two in american sports it's absolutely <laughs> incredible and the defense is going to continue to be bad. It's it's ex- exacerbated by not having the centers they wanted. I mean, in the OKC demolition, they lost 120 to 92 because we haven't mentioned that yet. Uh, they played Marquise Chris and Omari Spellman a combined 48 minutes. Those are not exactly defensive hallmarks. So, I mean, that those kinds of things will be better. But, I mean, 
mean, they, they're, they're not, they have a lot of non-NBA players in the rotation, and that is going to get better, but it's not going to be solved. And also, how does this affect Draymond Green, Steph Curry? I, I would say probably Green more than Steph in terms of like, if this just isn't that good of a team, you play hard for your minutes, but does it affect the way, and does it affect the way that the coaching staff in the front office approaches this? And maybe you take it a little easier with those guys, and like, if this continues, and say, maybe this isn't our year, but they'll get Clay back, and then they'll keep their draft pick and they'll have a trade exception for Iguodala if they use it quickly and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that's where this ends up going. The holding pattern year or the, sorry, the gap year. I used this for LeBron last year because Ben Golver said it. That might be what this is. It's early to say it definitively, but I think it's going, it might be headed that direction. Yeah. Jordan Poole has struggled massively. Big shock that the guy that was considered a reach at number 28 is not playing competent basketball so far. But I mean, I, I the bigger issue to me is just Russell as well. I think one thing they could do is they've been starting the second and fourth quarter with Draymond and Russell together. I think you put Draymond and Steph back together because those guys have such a good chemistry. I think that Green doesn't really unlock anything for Russell. Like Russell wants to play spread pick and roll. He really needs to have three shooters and a big out there around him and just kind of line the pins up and knock him down because he just is not working in this quick read and react warrior style. Like he's a good passer out of pick and roll when he has the ball and he knows where everyone is and can survey the floor but he's missed a lot of guys just in read and react scramble situations where just guys have been wide open and he just hasn't gotten it to him let's talk about something happier and that's the memphis grizzlies <laughs> yes the grizzlies have played two very fun games uh crescendoing into the absolutely awesome overtime thriller which they won against the brooklyn nets which was just as shocking when it ended as it was throughout the fourth quarter John Morant had 17 in the fourth quarter and then blocked Kyrie Irving on the final possession of regulation to send the game to overtime. He has been very impressive overall to me. That was by far and away his best game, that best quarter, best game. But Memphis, like, yeah, they're they're one and two at this point, and their win was by was by one. But they've there's always this idea of baseline competence, and something that I really enjoyed about Memphis in the Brooklyn game was they just play a lot of just competent NBA players. Like Brandon Clark's looked good, Kyle Anderson looked totally fine, Tyus Jones. Solid. I'd say more than totally fine. Yeah. actually. Anderson was really. Oh yeah, he was making some plays. It's good to see him back. You know, he's still not shooting threes. Clark is kind of you know he's out there in the in the mid-range with the you know the Nets Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan just waiting under the rim for him and he couldn't really do anything about that but um yeah no I, I like some of these guys that, that they have on this team it, it could be a struggle to score times two Solomon Hill closed the game and he did a big bucket Crunch time, they Solomon actually Hill. they ran an ISO for Solomon Hill on Kyrie Irving in the last minute of the game of regulation <laughs> because <laughs> he had the size yeah. Ky- Kyrie also had two steals I think one maybe one in the fourth one in OT yeah. um but yeah one of them one of them was on that play yeah. yeah it was and um something that I also liked about what Jenkins has done taking over for JB Bickerstaff is he's really empowered basically every player on the Grizzlies to bring the ball up and see actually let me tell you something I hate that because John Morant is so good in transition. Like, they need to have, like, the Russell Westbrook rules for him. Because Oh, for, for Jaw, yeah, I'm fine with that. But like, well, when- well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, Jaron Jackson, you want to bring the ball up? You know, that's fine. Number one, you're not Nikola Jokic. And number two, you have this guy where any kind of a broken floor, you get it to Morant, and he is just gone and running it down your throat. And he's, you know, he's taking off from 12 feet away and doing these double pump layups. Like, I, I actually, I, I mean, sorry to disagree with you here, but I think... No. 
yeah. they need to, the rule needs to be if he's on the floor, you throw it to that guy. That, that's fair. I wasn't thinking about it in that context. I was actually thinking more about like in the Tyus Jones minutes and stuff. Like Brandon Clark yeah. was doing a lot of that, and it's you know, for me empowering players. It can be it can help keep them engaged. Yeah, like let, let guys have fun out there. But yeah, I mean it's Jaw is just so good at that that that's I true. think it's and now Jaw in his own right. When he doesn't get the ball, he needs to actually run, which he, he kind of doesn't well, do. I mean, there, was still... a, there was also, like, I got frustrated on the, uh, I think it was the sec- second or third to last play of regulation. He kind of, he, he got slowed down, so he threw the ball to to Jay Crowder, and then he just kind of stopped. And yeah. with nine seconds left, you could make something else happen. You could even just get the ball back. And deactivating, maybe he was a little bit tired. It had been a crazy game, even to that yeah, point. Yeah, he, 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 he probably needs to get in better condition. He yeah. definitely needs to... Uh, get stronger play with more force no surprise yeah. there but i, I think I, i've been positively surprised with his effort level agreed overall given you know just what we saw on tape at murray state and, and he did and he did a nice job uh, on the last play so morant they, they were down and then he ended up hand basically doing a handoff to crowder for three and he got a little bit into the defender and i think that helped create the space for for crowder to get a cleaner look crowder made it and then they won the game yeah that was fantastic they inbounded with no timeouts left but got a play call in even with the no timeouts to inbound it to Crowder and then it it was sort of like the Bryce Drew play but they started it in the backcourt just to get Morant on the move and his defender was a little bit behind him he was able to force help and and then dish it back to Crowder for the game winning three down two with like 3.7 seconds left with no timeout was uh that was a pretty fantastic shot for them to get so yeah definitely recommend watching Memphis they're playing at a a fast pace Jaws uh his passing game hasn't been quite as good as I thought but his scoring game has been better his turnover game uh, has been just as bad as I thought I also think he could end up being a candidate for hitting the rookie wall just with the the way that he plays uh, just so athletically but for now enjoy it how many teams is that that is 12 so 13 can be the team that was on the other side of that barn burner the brooklyn nets kyrie irving set an nba record passing james harden for the most points in the first three games with a new team he is averaging 38 points six assists five rebounds in 34 and a half minutes a game helped by the overtime one actually they played two overtime games that's right they lost to minnesota and i I, Kyrie has been to me as advertised as a scorer and the preliminary indications for me is that the brooklyn backcourt ecosystem is looking pretty good they're all talented players i mean that was never the question it was will their games mesh together and so far i would say so good lavert is getting his opportunities to shine he's had some nice moments he's also had some rougher ones and then dinwiddie has been very good off the bench i was more skeptical one of the things that happened early in this game that helped memphis stay in it was atkinson started deandre jordan and deandre jordan just had zero interest guarding valanchunas at three from three and valanchunas you know if he, if it's just a set shot you know just just do your thing he was pretty comfortable with that and so in the first yeah now part of that might be scheme because they yes, played that way with jared allen last that's year true too. but but deandre like it maybe it's just the mental element of it like you know he's not getting out there like it's it's basically just like a guarantee and so in yeah, the first you do know that in the first eight minutes of the game memphis made four three-pointers and they were all bigs jaron had two and was very quiet for the rest of the game and valanchunas had two he was also pretty quiet for the rest of the game but i just think in most circumstances especially because valanchunas you know he can bang on the inside but that's not necessarily like he's not that kind of guy all the time anymore so I, most circumstances for me i 
I would rather have DeAndre out there. But it might be that complicated circumstance for Atkinson where, you know, so certain times he has to have the ebb and flow and say, okay, DeAndre, you get this one. Yeah, there has been, I think, a little bit of a difference in style for them now where much more iso ball, I mean, with Levert, Dinwiddie, and Irving, they have three guys who are real good at that. But I think they're seeing a lot of switching defenses uh, as well, in part because it's just really tough to guard them. Uh, and Memphis, they went with Kyle Anderson at center down the end, uh, did some switching themselves. Uh, John Schumann notices that their passes per game are way down from last year, down to below 300, which is a, a very low number. You mentioned that Kyrie has uh, been taking a lot of shots. That's uh, not a surprise. They closed this one with Irving, Lavert, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and G- uh, Jared Allen. Garrett Temple, Rody Couric, David Nwaba have been the guys off the bench. Remember that Wilson Chandler is suspended. They're starting Torian Prince uh, as well. And, and, and I wanted to give, I wanted to give Prince. Yeah. A, I, I cracked. I, I cracked up a little bit because our criticisms of Prince have been primarily on the defensive end, and he had a series of nice hustle plays in the in the Grizzlies game. But they were really offensive hustle plays, like running the floor, getting a basket, diving for a loose ball on the offensive glass, that kind of thing. I, I just want to get a closer view of his defense, though, because that's going to be a definitive skill for him, not necessarily this year, but more if he's going to be a starter alongside Durant on the Nets in twenty slash twenty one. All right, let's make these our last two teams since I just watched this game, Lakers and Charlotte. LeBron James was one of four in the first half. The score was Lakers 63, Charlotte 62. AD had 25 in the first half. LeBron was just doing a, a, he coined the term chill mode a couple of years ago in Cleveland. He's going to need to coin an even colder term than that for the way he was playing. But then with them up by about five at the start of the fourth quarter, he just went to work. He scored or set up nine straight points just abused poor pj washington a few possessions in a row got an and one on cody zeller off a switch and that was it they were up 15 and you could go rest the, the rest of the night so i mean frankly against a team like charlotte at home that's just fine for them alex caruso in their game against the jazz which i watched as well uh, on friday he made a big difference there's a, a big to do that ad started at center in the second half in that game against the jazz which was an absolute rock fight in the first half and that opened things up just enough ad played one of the better defensive games i've ever seen him play in that game against the jazz he's just all over the place i mean when he tries he just really makes a difference caruso also to me makes a huge difference defensively like if you just watch him he makes some kind of a play on just about every defensive possession where he's sticking his nose in making some kind of a rotation forcing another pass getting stunting towards someone getting a hand in the passing lane he's just got a lot of activity and uh, also he can dribble which is a skill in short supply on this lakers team he also even hit a three-pointer when the defense went under against charlotte so he might actually be their best option at point guard like he he they might even end up wanting to start him ultimately um danny green just seems to go from really hot to really cold had a brutal first half against the hornets uh, and then hit a three in the second half but he's shooting 64 percent from three so far in the year helped by that huge game against uh, the clippers and he's playing 30 minutes a game at they cannot afford a, an injury to him of course i think we've seen a little bit too much quinn cook i would just put caruso in those minutes cook the problem with cook is he's not really like that good of a spot up shooter like he kind of leans forward on his jump shot he doesn't have that great of a volume he can't really shoot it on the move it just seems to miss a lot of wide open spot threes and, and he's not great defensively either uh jared dudley was not in the rotation against charlotte and oh, is this not updated yet oh that's annoying still says they've only played two games so sorry some of those stats are a little bit off that i just gave you but uh i did watch them i swear and uh danny are you uh team dwight or team javel in the lakers center derby 
I mean, Dwight played better than JaVale in, in the win over the Hornets. I, I think I'm probably... He, he's, like, becoming a fan favorite somehow? Wouldn't that be an amazing story? Like, the underdog Dwight Howard getting getting his... Earning his way back. And it has been nice to see. And But I, I'm still a little bit skeptical. Something I want to watch is, is how Dwight's foul rate evolves over, over the next little bit. But, I mean, he, he was better than JaVale on Sunday. So, sure, you can give him a shot. Yeah, I mean, he's probably a better pick-and-roll defender. They're both pretty good rebounders. Yeah. Um, JaVale is a much better finisher. That's where Dwight is pretty limited to just like wide open dunks and alley-oops at this point he did have one late clock post up which i'm sure uh warmed his heart that actually went in for a, a right-handed hook shot but they of course uh, have not been going to him in the post nor does he expect that he's a change man uh speaking um, of things going in it was good to see K- kcp actually hit a couple shots he had been maligned over the lakers two first games but he was four of eight from the field and made a couple of three-pointers including some stuff early on so you know he he doesn't necessarily need to be a key part of what the lakers do but it be nice to have him actually help all right let's finish up with charlotte cody zeller is just such a massive player for this team he did not play due to personal reasons against the wolves and carl anthony towns had 37 points and just basically like the greatest daily fantasy night in history in 26 minutes with like assists steals blocks he, he just absolutely was amazing in that game but seller didn't play uh he had a really nice game i thought against the lakers just fighting on the offensive glass he's shooting threes those aren't necessarily going in but i think he's going to keep firing away on those and marvin williams has been the backup center most of the way bismack biombo obviously is going to really struggle there they don't have any other kind of backup center willie hernan gomez has played a little bit but you can tell borrego just has no trust in him defensively whatsoever uh Dwayne bacon hasn't been incredibly efficient but i like that he's at least shooting the three ball a little bit more he and brandon ingram are kind of the two champions of guys who took a lot of long twos who now are starting to shoot more threes Devontae graham had that big first game he's tailed off a little bit but uh, overall charlotte shooting it pretty well from downtown I don't, I don't know if you heard this they did had a crazy a crazy stat uh, i was watching the hornets broadcast that after saturday the hornets will not play another game in the state of california this season they're doing one california road trip and then they're just gone because they only play them once so, so i mean good to get it out well, of the way because those are uh, a couple of good teams in the warriors this, well yeah and this is a good time to be playing sacramento and the golden state yeah. too uh, but they're shooting 44% from downtown on the season so far. That's helped their offense look a lot more competent. P.J. Washington has been shooting it well. Uh, Miles Bridges has not, you know, that his shot really has not been a huge threat. Teams are not uh, playing him for the shot that he's been the guy that they've been helping off of a lot. He's a really athletic finisher, but eventually he's going to need to hit some more three-pointers. Terry Rozier... We mentioned he didn't close against Chicago on Wednesday night. Kind of just been a guy haven't seen a ton for him he's been shooting some threes hasn't looked as good as he did in that preseason game against memphis so there's certainly been some reasons for optimism maybe it's possible that these guys can be like a pretty good shooting team from three all year but i do expect that ultimately to fall off to some degree and don't worry fans we'll have a lot of player breakdowns on pj washington and Dwayne bacon and miles bridges and Devonte graham because there's not a lot else to talk about with these guys hornet's over baby still on it 
All right, and uh, we are still on giving you NBA coverage. Don't forget about Hollinger and Duncan as well. What did you have on uh, Real Jam Radio this week? I had Sam Vecini on, which was great. We talked about the 2020 draft class. I don't know those players particularly well, so he walked me through the players and teams that are going to be most interesting. And then that was my first thoughts. I'm working on a Bruton piece about the Team USA minicamp that I went to, the junior national team guys. for. Uh, so we talked about that a little bit and who's looking good, and that will be a piece for The Athletic in the next few days as soon as I get it written up. Yeah, I had some other travel that weekend. I really wanted to go to that. It was it was awesome. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go next year. I swear. Uh, still, still got hoops on it. But yeah, I mean, I need to go to that because now with Adidas Nations being defunct, or I gotta find go to like the Nike LeBron camp or something during the summer instead. Um, all right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do the rest of these 15 teams. Hey, actually, like a real 15 and 60, pretty close to it, I think. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.